You're listening to Make Your Way, Season 6, Episode 5. Welcome to Make Your Way, where we explore what it means to work and create on your own terms. Along with every episode, we post links to resources mentioned in the episode, along with a full transcript. You can find these materials at drkatylinder.com backslash MYW. Hey, Katie, how are you? I'm good, Sarah. How are you? I am good. I am excited to meet Stephanie today. Yes, we have another fun interview coming up, and um, I am super excited to introduce Stephanie as well. Stephanie, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what your business is all about? Sure. I'm Stephanie Dosher, and I serve as the Director of Global Learning Initiatives at Florida International University, and I also serve as the internal evaluator for our Title VI funded Latin American and Caribbean Center. And um, my business got started about five years ago when my colleague and I started to be asked to come to other institutions to conduct internationalization audits and um, kind of consult on internationalization planning that moved into keynoting, different types of workshops. So um, I, I guess things have just sort of evolved over time, and I'm even in the midst of evolving right now and, and thinking about what the future could be. Okay. So I am always curious what led you to join Slow Hustle. So you would have joined in January of uh, 2019, and why was that a good time for you to kind of focus in on your business and think about what you wanted to do next? Well, a couple of things were going on at the same time. One was that uh, my partner and I, we'd, we'd established an LLC together. And at first, we mostly worked together on projects. But over time, once again, it started to be that I was in invited to do things that she wasn't invited to because of slightly different expertise and vice versa. So... As we started to drift apart in our own specialization and the invitations we were receiving, we both realized that it would be a good idea to have um, different ventures. So I felt like I wanted to have more professional development under my belt in order to do that. That was the first thing. And then the second thing was that I was starting to devour more your resources and I guess I was accepting a, a, an energy that I was feeling at the time which was that at some point I might like to start my own venture it's it's actually recently I realized something consciously that I think I'd unconsciously been sensing at that time and that's that I'm basically the only person in my family that hasn't started their own venture. My sister, all four of my first cousins, my father, both of my paternal, my maternal and my paternal grandfathers have all started their own businesses and have been successful. And I think I'm starting to finally, at the age of 53, catch the entrepreneurial spirit that is or acknowledge the entrepreneurial spirit that that's already in my family. 
I love that that's, story. That's so great. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can relate a little bit to that. I have my my dad was an entrepreneur and, you know, started his own business and did all of that. So for me, it was never a weird thing. Like people, that's what people do. You know, you, you don't have to stick in a job the whole time. So, yeah, um, I definitely resonate with that. Like, oh, it's kind of just in the blood. <laughs> like, it's just in the water. Um so Stephanie, I'm really curious to hear like, so you, you had this iteration and this sort of evolution of your, uh, you know, having this business with another person. Um, I've also had that. And so I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about like, how do you discern in that time, like when, when it's time to kind of go a different direction? Um, you know, which kind, what kinds of things were you running into, you know, in, in the opportunities that were coming your way? You know, what really guided you to say, you know what, I need to go in this other direction? Yeah. Well, it it does just so happen that we work in our full-time jobs together as well. This other person with whom I with whom I um have had uh have done consulting work over time. So, it was kind of a simultaneous uh specialization process, I guess. Um we've always kind of divvied up the things that we do. At first, the office was just the two of us and a program manager. So we would both do everything. This is a university-wide initiative that, that we lead. And, uh, we, but we did have kind of special talents, right? And, but, but we were really learning a lot from each other. And it was definitely the sort of thing that it was just the two of our names together, right? Like it was, and I were like one word almost <laughs> wherever we went or when, whenever anyone thought of one or the other of us, uh, they were thinking of both of us. So all of the invitations that we had were, were together. And then over time, as the office grew and as we started, I would say more entrepreneurial efforts and programming within the institution we were starting to see ourselves as specializing more in different parts of the initiative. But then we were also getting the feedback from others within the institution and also our clientele outside of the institution. People would say, come to a conference presentation and hear us talk about different things and and present kind of in different ways. And they would sort of connect with either her or me a little bit more. And maybe those institutions couldn't necessarily afford to bring both of us, or they felt that one or the other of us had more expertise in the area that they were looking for. So it was, it was kind of a simultaneous internal specialization, but also just really listening to that external feedback that um, just increasingly people were seeing us as separate entities and that we had different things to offer them. And at that point, uh, we also talked about our own personal growth as professionals. She's 10 years older than I am. She is a tenured faculty member. I uh, have an administrative line. And so our work, our professional context and our and our um, it, it, our evolution as professionals are in different stages and, and in different places. So we were thinking about each other, kind of in terms of taking care of each other a little bit, right? That 
she realized that my future was going to look a lot different than hers. So she was really supportive of the idea that I would have a separate um, venture. And I guess all those three things work together to just make it just a super easy transition for us. Yeah. That's interesting. And, and it's, I, I think it's a great point for our listeners too, that sometimes, you know, you try a thing or you try something with somebody and it works really well for a while and then it, you know, it drifts apart and that that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Stephanie, given that you're kind of at the, at the start of sort of this new business and this new enterprise that you're, you're starting, um, what's been the thing that's most surprising to you about this starting a business thing? <laughs> um, that I, actually want to do it (laughs) I I mean I wouldn't say that I'm not a bold or adventurous person I wouldn't say that I'm not a person who's willing to take chances Um, I do really love making something out of nothing Mm. Uh, that's my favorite spot right to have this idea it's just an idea in your head or it's just a crazy idea. Right. Um, (laughs) and then we're going to make it into a thing that actually people appreciate and, and helps them and, and, and elevates their work or, or, or motivates them. I mean, I love that, but I also appreciate the safety that working within another person's business, offers the safety the stability um and and i guess the the built-in network right within that that institution i like being part of an institution i like being able to say that i left it better for me having been there Um, i believe in institutions i believe in schools i believe in public education and so i really never had an idea that i wanted to be out of an of a university and I don't know that I necessarily have that right now but but I am starting actually to think that maybe the work that I want to do I would be able to be more agile and work with more partners if I were seated outside of a university but collaborating with lots of institutions and I feel this energy to do it. And, and so I'm, I'm surprised by that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is awesome. So Stephanie, I'm wondering if you can talk about some of the things that you've been learning about yourself as you're starting this business. What is it teaching you? Well, um, I think it's teaching me I, I guess I have to go back to that that spirit, that energy, that fire that I feel. Um, I think it's teaching me that it's teaching me to to be comfortable with the fact that I want to move the field. It's teaching me to be comfortable with the fact that I that I, to admit or or own the fact that I, I I want to make very large scale change, right? So um, 
it, it's kind of feels like the, the field of internationalized higher education, which is, which is really my, my, my area of work and, and expertise, if I could be said to have, be, have expertise in anything, um, it just seems like a mountain and I'm just this tiny little mouth, right? But I do know that there, that, I mean, physics tells us all we need is the right lever, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and it, it doesn't have to be this kind of elaborate tool. It can be a very simple and efficient and effective tool. So, I, to make a really big change and to move a mountain. So I, I feel like who am I to, to do it? But then there's the other side of it, which is if not me, then who? So I guess I'm just owning that if not me, then who piece. And I need to just do it scared, right? I just have to do it scared. I love that message. Yeah. Just do it scared because it's true. <laughs> Especially yeah. when you're first, <laughs> you're first starting out. You're like, I don't know. Am I the person to do this? Uh, I guess we'll try. So yeah, I definitely resonate with that. I've, I've had my share of that, of that as well. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering what's been both on the one hand, the most fun part of starting this business. And on the other hand, the most challenging part of starting this business. Well, the most fun part is learning about what others have done and, and learning about best practices, uh, visioning, brainstorming, making things. And the most not fun part is accounting. (laughs) 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 That's the part that, um, is not fun. And I need to create better systems for, for this. So, so I guess this is a, um, an insight into moving from um, being in an institution where you're just receiving your paycheck and you can spend all of your time making stuff and, and doing stuff. That is the fun part. And now I need, now I'm moving into, I make stuff and I have to facilitate the business operations. And so I have to carve out regular time in my schedule to attend to those things. And it's really difficult to do because um, there are just so many things to do, right? And so many deadlines, so many uh, competing tasks. And it's just something I'm not used to working into my schedule. But it's like if I were going to start working out from scratch, you have to make the time. So, like, I guess I'm going to have to get off of this phone call with you and (laughs) put things into my calendar, put the time into my calendar because I'm saying it out loud and the world is going to hear it and I have to right? Because I'm already thinking it's the it's it's a couple of months before the end of the calendar year, and I don't want to enter January first, not having my my accounting in in place because um, I want to be able to submit my taxes and all those other things I need to do on time. So so I really need to make that time. This is such an important thing, I think, Stephanie, because I think 
Sarah and I certainly have felt, and I know we've talked with other people who've also felt just the sense of overwhelm when you're starting a business, that there are all the things that you maybe hadn't considered, like taxes and, you know, invoicing and all the things that come along with it. And I love this idea of putting time in your calendar to just like acknowledge it, deal with it, do the things and pick up the skills along the way. Um, so we always like to ask people too, if there's anything in your business that you'd like to outsource, is this, is this the thing or are there other things that you can yes. think of that, that would be more fun to outsource? This is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. And, and I will say that, um, you know, lately there's been this brewing idea for a venture that I would like to start. And it would be something that would probably take me out of a university setting. And as I've been thinking through it and kind of messing around with just the comfort level of inviting it into my life as a possibility or inviting it into my mind as a possibility, I just have said, you know what, from the very beginning, I'll just, I'll just outsource that piece, right? Like there's no way that I'm going to, if I do this thing, um, I will from the outset bring in someone with some kind of a business background because it's not my ex area of expertise. It's not my area of joy. And I need to focus on the value that I would bring to a venture and, and, and let the, someone else who, who loves that stuff do that work. And actually that's made it, that's made me feel more comfortable trying to vision this thing. Uh, it's, it's made, I've relieved myself of the thing that causes the most anxiety, which is, well, what would the, the business plan for it be? Well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to find someone who will help me write the business plan. And part of that business plan will be having a, an accountant slash bookkeeper be part of it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Or whatever that whatever that's going to look like, depending on what the the form of the, of this venture is. Right. I love this idea of like knowing your limits. You know, I think that it's not just about what do you enjoy or not enjoy. And certainly, sometimes when you're just starting out, you do have to do all the things because you don't necessarily have the revenue or whatever to to outsource things. But also to just acknowledge that like it takes away good energy that you could be spending in other parts of your business if you're doing a slog of something that you don't really enjoy and that you could potentially outsource. So I love that perspective. It can limit the success of your venture, right? Because if you're limiting the thing that is the, the ideas of it, the, the energy of it, uh, the time that you put into making things or making relationships or um, engaging with potential clients, it, then, and if you limit that just, like sweating over the books and not knowing even and making mistakes even uh, that can that can cost you and not just time and money then then you're really limiting the success of your venture so um, there are certain things that I would like to learn how to do right like skills that I don't have that I would like to learn but I don't need to necessarily but I, it doesn't have to be everything and I can learn about the thing to be a more intelligent uh, like business owner, right? Like I could understand 
the bookkeeping processes. I can understand the legal processes. I can understand all of the different structures, but that doesn't mean I have to do them. <laughs> right? Right? That someone else should maybe should should definitely be the person doing that thing, not me. <laughs> Yeah, I think that makes that makes total sense. And yeah, knowing your limits and knowing knowing when to outsource is a yeah. valuable a valuable part of growing your business. I, I would agree. Um, and in terms of business growth, uh, Stephanie, I'm really curious what things are on the horizon for like the next six months to a year or so that you're either really excited about diving into or that are just going to be a primary focus for your business as it's as it's growing over the next six months to a year. Um. So. So far, I have been really answering calls from others in terms of what my business is, right? So other people say, we need someone to come to our institution and help us understand what is this thing, global learning? We need someone to come into our institution and help speak to uh, high-level leaders and administrators to help them think about how internationalization uh, could be uh, facilitated on our campus and why we would want to facilitate that on our campus. We need someone to come in and help us infuse global learning into our courses to lead a workshop. And they see that I do that work and that I've written a book about it and, and um, now they, they listen to the podcast. And um, they, so they invite me to do it. So. I realized that I actually did not have a I was not the genesis of the vision and the mission for my business. It was really me just answering, being a, a providing services. Um, but now I'm starting to bubble up a, a mission. And it, it's around the work that I do in the space of collaborative online international learning or virtual exchange. So this is basically just pairing faculty, and sometimes it's more than pairs. Sometimes you have groups of three, four, five, six faculty who will engage their students in a collaborative project using common communication technology like a phone or, or Zoom or closed Facebook groups in some kind of a project during the course of their semester. It's a very, very powerful approach to education. And I'm particularly interested in deploying that approach for collaborative problem solving around the climate emergency that we're facing and two specific areas, which are environmental restoration and sustainable development. So this is my passion. This is where I would like to grow the work that I'm doing. And when I think about my business, I'm really thinking of it as a social venture. I'm thinking of it as a triple bottom line venture. So it does have to be sustainable as a venture. I have to be able to feed myself and house myself and the people who I outsource accounting to, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and the and the other people that would be involved in this. Um, it it I do have to be able to, um, you know, purchase the communication technology and have a website and all of the other 
you know, products and services that would support people doing this work, but it would also be creating social good. It would be bringing value to communities, to individuals, to communities, to the planet in the form of the problem that we need to address, which is the climate emergency. So um, I, when I think about the business in the next six to nine months, I'm thinking about A, what would be the structures that I think would be best put in place to rapidly engage a large number of people in this work? And B, what is the best structure for a venture like this? Would it be um, a foundation? Would it be an NGO? Would it be an institute within a, 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 a university or some other um, higher education organization? What is it going to be? There are a lot of different structures to do something like this. And other people have used a lot of different structures. And I don't know which one it'll be for me. But I just feel like this is the direction I want to go. It's the right direction. And it's for the first time something that's coming from me rather than just answering other people's calls. I love how big you think, Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, I mean, it's so refreshing because I think sometimes when we start businesses, we don't always go big with the mission. We don't always go, you know, as far as we think we could go. We, We start with like very small kind of micro stuff. And I know you've been doing that too with the podcast and some other things you've been working on. But I also love that you're just like dreaming big about like, what is this and what would it take? And I mean, the thinking, it there's nothing wrong with doing that thinking. Like it's not costing you anything to do the brainstorming and the thought and the talking and the trying to figure it out and puzzle piecing it together. I mean, it takes your time, but that's it. And so I love that you're investing that right now to really try to figure out what this looks like for you. That. I need to hear that because this is that really messy time where like, I don't know what it looks like exactly. I have ideas, glimpses, like you'll be in a, I'll be in a conversation with someone and then I'll be, Oh, that's what it'll be. And then it just kind of escapes, right? It kind of, it kind of just like disappears in a cloud of fear and anxiety and (laughs) questions. Right. And then, um, and, and then, it's also the messy time because it also seems so daunting and like, who am I to do it? But I am familiar with the messy times when you're making something out of nothing. And I know that that passes like that, that, that this is a necessary part of getting to the thing, walking out the door, right? Like, I remember what it was like working on the book before I even started writing the first word and thinking, how am I ever going to do this? And what is it really going to be about? I don't know how I'm going to get the time to do it. I don't know how, I don't know what the outlines of the chapters are going to be. It was just a big, scary mess. And then it's, people are buying it now. So, (laughs) right. So you have to, you have to get through, you have to just bulldoze sometimes through that messy time and just start it. And that's what I'm in now. And, and it also helps during that messy time to have somebody who says, no, you can do this. 
it's not like other, like thousands of other people have, millions of other people have done this. So like you could do it too. I love that message. Uh, I, I often think about like the path that we take to get somewhere and it, it, the path only becomes clear when you look back on it, right? It's never exactly. clear in front of you. It's kind of like an open field and you just have to kind of pick the best direction based on what you can see at the time that you're in it and go totally. because otherwise you're going to stand in the middle of the field forever and that's no fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You just have to put one foot in front of the other. And I'll tr I can't remember this amazing thing that I heard a week and a half ago about fear as an acronym. Um, I'll, I'll send it to you so that you could put it in the show notes, but it's something, it's like bad data masquerading as reality. That's really what the upshot of it is, right? Like it's, it's just your fear and your anxiety masquerading as reality. And fear is mostly just our visions of the worst possible outcome and tr and our emotions treating it as if it were reality and it's not it's just a bad dream mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. feel the fear yeah. do it anyway <laughs> yeah. yeah you gotta feel I've the fear I mean, it's not as if fear is yes total i mean it's not as if fear isn't something that we need because right there are genuinely bad things in front of us if and we should feel we should pay attention to that fear but we have mm -hmm. to learn I think in, in setting up a business or starting a venture, and that's really what I think about it. Like I, I don't really, when I think about the word business, it, it, it's a little bit scary for me. Um, business makes me think like business person and wearing kind of a suit and tie and, and uh, a place that I don't belong, Wall Street and you know, <laughs> different <laughs> sorts of things. But, I, but venture, I love the word venture because it has adventure in it, right? <laughs> and I'm venturing forth and I do ventures all the time that don't have dollars attached to them. This would just be another venture. What I'm doing, it just, it just has to have more, it has to be more self-sustaining and self-supporting in terms of, um, in terms of the resources that are necessary to get it going and keep it going. So I like to say venture. And I think that when we're starting a venture, we have to learn how to discern between like healthy fear of the IRS is going to audit me. And then, <laughs> and then the unhealthy fear, which is just, you know, it, kind of imposter syndrome stuff. I love the energy that you're bringing to this. I, you know, it's just infectious. I can feel it. You know, I can feel how excited you are about this. And I love the idea of using the word venture. So I'm just going to use that the rest of the podcast. Um, <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm wondering um, what resources have helped you along the way as you've been thinking about starting this venture? Is there anything in particular that you're like, this was amazing. I would love other people to know about this resource. Yes. Um, it's been really helpful being part of a group with a mentor who has experience as an academic creative, as an academic entrepreneur. Um, 
but it's not just because I'm like learning how to do things step by step, which, which I am in the slow hustle. I'm, I am learning how to do certain things step by step, but the thing about it that's the most valuable resource is being in a community is, is getting to hear other and, and witness other people evolving, um, feeling that I'm not alone, knowing that I have a network, that I have um, a coach that's, that's there for me to also, someone that I trust that I can just say, oh, I really messed up. Or, or like, I have absolutely no idea how to do this basic thing. <laughs> you know? And I don't feel like they're going to judge me or um, that they're going to use uh, like jargon that I'm not going to understand. So I would say that when we're looking for resources to start a venture with regard to like the legal setup, the accounting setup, marketing, um, figuring out what your why is, how to find clients. One could go to the business world. I could go to a startup uh, incubator. I could uh, search for these things online. But the world that we exist in as academic creatives is really specialized. It's a special world. And I think it's it's um, particularly helpful to, to have these resources coming from this world. And it's also really helpful as a woman to be in a community of women who are doing this work. So I would say to anyone that's listening, you know, try to find your tribe in terms of resources that come from the academic or scholarly world. And, and, and if you feel like it would be helpful to find other people who come from the same kind of demographic um, space that you're in, then that's really good too. Like we have these incredible organizations of Hispanic women entrepreneurs in, in South Florida, Latin American Hispanic women entrepreneurs, and that's a really special experience. So and there's just a lot of different diverse groups that we can um, engage with. And I think that that's something that's important. Uh, that's an important resource for us. That's so interesting, Stephanie, to hear you talk about even the jargon and how it can be kind of off-putting. And I think about, this was something Sarah and I just recently, we recorded the between episode, which we'll have released by the time that this releases. And one of the things we talked about was in the beginning of our businesses, sometimes there was just stuff we weren't ready to hear yet. Like, you know, now we know it and it took experience and it took, you know, like figuring things out. And, and it would have, it would have been nice if we could have told our earlier selves that thing, but our earlier selves might not have been ready. And I think that when it comes to some of the business side, especially if you're not trained in it, you're not exposed to it, you don't really know anyone who's done it before, or even if you do, it's still kind of overwhelming. It's still kind of like, you know, you feel like you're just not a fit. Like maybe you're not the right person to be doing the business stuff because it it feels foreign. It can feel very foreign. And I do think it's helpful to have someone who can translate that, whoever that is. If it's a podcast you listen to, a book you read, a community you join, somebody who just says, here's what this really means. Like, <laughs> here's the layperson's terms. When we're talking about quarterly business taxes, here's what that really looks like. You know, like you're going to you're going to get a slip of paper. It's going to tell you what to pay. You're going to put it in an envelope with a check. I mean, like just you, the basics. I, I feel like that's the part that it's like you have to get over that hump 
of knowing the basics before you can feel that level of confidence. Absolutely. And, and also to know that you may never, ever feel that level of confidence. Right? <laughs> I mean, because I, I mean, my sister is an extremely successful restaurateur. She is a very capable person in terms of everything that she does. And she does, you know, close out the cash register and do all of those other things. But, you know, I think if she were, if we were talking to her right now, she would just say like, yeah, the accounting stuff, it still pretty much sucks. Right. Because it's just not my area of expertise. And, and I don't know that she's found an accountant that specializes in working with restaurateurs. Um, but she does it. It's still a hassle. It's still a headache, but it just pales in comparison to the success that she has. So um, somehow I really have a lot of respect for her that she's just figured out how to just like put that stuff in a corner and, um, and just, you know, keep on, keep on going. Right. Like just, just accept that it's, never going to be something I enjoy or feel com- that comfortable with. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure she feels, I, I don't want to speak for her, but I'm, I know she, I watch her all the time. I watch her do this work. She's like totally, totally capable, but I think it's not necessarily something that she loves doing or, or even feels super like, you know, confident about. Yeah. I love this idea that it's okay if there are parts of your business that you're like, eh, this really isn't, I'm doing it. I don't know that I'm doing it well. I don't know that there isn't someone who could do it better. But, you know, like there is that balancing out of your gifts, like your true gifts with yeah. these other kind of logistical things of running a business. And, um, you know, we have met other people in Slow Hustle who are like, yep, through this process, I realized I don't really want to do those logistical things. Like I want to find a way to share my gifts where I don't have to have accounting, where I don't have to do this other stuff. That's a win in my mind to even have that acknowledgement of like, this is not for me. I totally agree. I mean, I was in an an educational leadership, um, a group, like a program at my institution specifically for women and minorities. And my biggest takeaway from that is I do not want a VRP in front of my name. I do not want to be a high level administrator because I love working alongside the people I serve. And I felt like director or executive director, maybe an assistant vice or something like that, but much higher than that, I'm not going to be happy. I don't want to spend my time just in meetings with, with the president and the provost. I mean, I, I love my president and provost and we have a really good relationship and we meet a lot and, and they respond to my emails, but I, I, I just want to spend the majority of my time working with faculty and students, faculty, staff, and students. And um, that was my biggest takeaway from the leadership development program that I had. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's equally as important to find the things that aren't a fit as to find the things that are. Sometimes yeah, I think, definitely. you know, when people ask me really important questions, I'm like, I don't know how to answer it, but I know how to not answer it. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, know the, I know the not. I may not know the yeses, but I know the noes. Like, I'm, I'm figuring out right. that part. And eventually it gets you to where you need to be of, of really understanding yeah. what it is you're supposed to be doing. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I, I will say though, that while it is super important to know what it is that we're supposed to be doing, we should be intelligent and knowledgeable about the things that we're not doing. Um, we, we, we do need to be able to keep our fingers on the pulse of how we should be dealing with our accounting, with our taxes, even if somebody else is doing that for us, if we can hire a person and that's their job, we need to remain in constant communication with them and we need to be able to monitor it and oversee it if it is our business because we're the responsible party, right? So even if we don't like it, we should know what it is in, in pretty good detail. We should understand. We should understand those processes and the law and, and the right policies and systems. I think that's great advice. Uh, you know, knowing knowing enough to know when things are going wrong um, so that you can keep an eye on, you know, making sure that your money isn't being squirreled away in the Caymans and you didn't know about it, right? There's, there's stories about Absolutely. stuff like that all the time. So yeah. being cautious is, is really important. Um, Stephanie, this has been so delightful. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. Are there any other, um, you know, messages or words of wisdom you'd have for our listeners who are also kind of many of them thinking about starting their own business or thinking about, you know, oh, do I want to do this side hustle? I'm not sure. Um, any last words for them? There was something that Katie said to me a couple of months ago that has really stuck and made a difference for me in a lot of different ways. And that is that my full-time gig, my full-time employer, my university, is just my biggest client. So we may not think that we're business owners or venture owners, but if we're employed, we are, right? Because the, the product, service, uh, innovative offering that we have is ourselves and our skills and our knowledge and our, um, our, our attitude, that these are the things that we bring to our biggest client. So it has made me feel more confident that I can transition slowly into having a side hustle that also benefits my uh, my biggest client, which is my university, the work that I do outside of my university benefits my university. Um, and then as I slowly evolve and transition someday, perhaps to being on my own in a venture um, and really only reporting to myself and my clients, um, the people that I serve, it's just a very gradual shifting of my energy and uh, activities. So that idea that my full-time job is just my biggest client, that was very grounding and important. Hmm. Stephanie, such a pleasure always to talk with you. Thanks for taking the time to come on to Make Your Way and talk with Sarah and I about getting started with your business. This has been really fun. It has been for me too. All right. And Sarah, always a pleasure. Always and enjoyable. Looking forward to talking with you next time. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make Your Way. 
Show notes and a transcript for this episode can be found at drkatylinder.com backslash MYW. If you found this episode helpful, please consider rating or reviewing the show in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.